0: I love that you guys were having so much fun, having communion and sharing with each other and talking to each other and laughing together. Um, It's great to have to pull you out of that to come back. My name is Leslie Rowe, and I get to co-pastor this wonderful group of people along with Josh. Um, And if this is your first time here, we just want you to know that you're welcome to participate as much as you want to, but you're also welcome just to sit back and watch and take it in and uh, see what's going on here. And if you have any questions or you have any needs, Josh and I will both be around at the end of the service and you are welcome um, to come and talk to us. And so ask your questions if you have questions, if you need to be prayed over, let us know that. And just whatever you need, we're here to do that for you. So today is the end of our sermon series on Sabbath. And I want to start with just a short recap of what we've done. So the definition of Sabbath that we've been working with is a 24-hour time period in which we stop all work and set aside a day to rest, delight, and worship. And we've talked about how Sabbath is a gift from God. It was made for us, and it's not just about what we can't do. Sabbath is about the gift that God has for us. And Sabbath is about God being that gift. Matthew eleven twenty-eight 28 through 30 says, "'Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest.'" Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I don't know about you, but that sounds really good to me. We also find that Sabbath is built into the rhythm of life, the rhythm of day and night, the rhythm of waking and sleeping, the rhythm of winter, spring, summer, fall, and the, the rhythm of breathing in and breathing out. It's a part of the rhythm of our lives. And Jesus practiced Sabbath, and as his apprentices, we want to practice Sabbath as well. Yes. But like all practices, like prayer and silence and solitude, Sabbath is a means to an end. Like it isn't I keep Sabbath. That's not the goal we're going for. It's that I am able to participate in the life and love of God himself. And I get to center my entire life around him to live more deeply in him and not just on Sabbath, but all week long. The gift of Sabbath is God. Yeah. we've been blessed by getting to hear from many different people in this sermon series. And I don't use the word blessed in any kind of corny cliche way. I do feel very blessed by that. Emily spoke about Sabbath taking practice in time. Ryan Bristow talked about Sabbath being a mental rest, especially from social media and entertainment Tate and Aaron shared about how Sabbath is a spiritual renewal. And Ryan Plachey taught about the four stages of Sabbath keeping. And all of these people were in different stages of Sabbath keeping. Some had been doing it for years. Some had been doing it and then quit and were trying to get back into the rhythm of it. Some people were brand new to it and just starting out. And everybody shared their experiences whether they had been doing it a long time or a short time. They opened up and they shared very personal things with us about what Sabbath did for them. And we are so thankful to have so many people that are willing, able, and gifted to speak to our community and to help us grow as we learn to be better apprentices of Jesus. In learning about Sabbath, we've covered the movements of stop, rest, and delight. And today we're going to talk about worship. Worship. So to start with, I just want to confess that it's hard for me not to think everything is about me. And I don't mean that in the sense of I want everything to be to my advantage. I mean it in the sense that's way more subtle than that. I evaluate things as being good or bad based on how it affects me. Yeah. And honestly, it comes so naturally that I don't even notice it sometimes. For example, a good day is one that is easy. I certainly wouldn't have any problems on a good day, and honestly, neither would anybody else around me. On a good day, The temperature would definitely be in the 80s, possibly the 90s, but nowhere near 110, 107, or even 101 for that matter. Never mind that I do not work outside in it, but I get to be in my car, at a coffee shop, or sitting in my home, all of which are air conditioned. A good outcome to prayer is one where I get what I ask for, and I don't have to suffer or experience pain because I get the answer quickly. A good meal is one of my favorite foods, Foods fairly healthy, and no onions to make my stomach burn. See what I mean? Everything is evaluated by me, and I hate that that is so easy to do. I would imagine that many of you struggle with the same thing. Actually, I know that many of you struggle with the same thing because I spend time with you, because I hear you. <laughs> And a good job is one that pays good, has benefits, utilizes your degree, recognizes your value, has a flexible schedule, and keeps you fulfilled. A good Sunday has the type of songs you like, and it either has small group interaction or no small group interaction based on what you prefer. It has the programs that you think are beneficial, and so on. A good life is one that's happy by your definition of happy, free of suffering and full of travel, concerts, eating out, and spa days. (laughs) Who doesn't want that? (laughs) Um, But I say that because we all struggle with that from time to time at least. And we only have to read the first four words of the Bible, in the beginning, God, to confront us with the truth that none of it is about us. And all of it is about God. The first 10 commandments states, you shall have no other God before me. See, we call not putting God at the center of our life, but putting ourselves or someone else or something else. We call that idolatry. Why should we have no other God before Yahweh God? Because he is the only one who is worthy to be the center of our lives, the love of our lives. And that God is not me or you or anyone else or anything else. All things are evaluated through Yahweh God, not through me. He decides what is good, not me. And sometimes I really hate that, just honestly. I want to be able to decide what is good. But that's worship. Worship is putting God in his rightful place at the center of everything. Worship is making everything about God, not me. And if we are apprentices of Jesus, worship is not just what we do here on Sunday, but how we live our lives every day of the week. In our study of Sabbath, worship is the final and most important movement. If we stop rest and delight on Sabbath, but aren't led to worship God, we have missed the whole point. If we don't stop, rest and delight on Sabbath, but if we do those things and aren't led to worship God, we've missed the whole point. God is the center of our lives. So what leads us to worship? And Drew, will you show this real quick? This is just a short two-minute video. But I think that one of the things that leads us to worship is to recognize God's greatness. And I am not nearly smart enough to know if any of that is realistic. But what I do know is when I look up at the sky at night... I seem very tiny compared to what is all around me. And according to scientists, that is a very small part of what even is out there. And God created all of that. Yeah. And so when I think about God being the one that creates things that are so large and vast, it's easy to realize I'm not the center of anything. I am a tiny speck compared to what's out there. And that does not mean that I'm not important. This is the other thing that leads me to worship is I'm this tiny little speck out here, but God knows my name yeah, and he cares about me and he wants to have a relationship with me. That's what realizing our smallness does for us. It puts God in his proper place. So what is it that leads to worship? Knowing God and the first step to knowing God is recognizing his greatness. So then the second step is who God is. And so I would encourage you in thinking about who God is to think of the attributes of God. He is creator. He is provider. He is shepherd. He is healer. He is the sufficient one. He is the Lord of peace, the everlasting God. He's the strong one, the one who sees me. He's God with us, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, compassionate. So thinking through what are the attributes and the characteristics of God will lead us to knowing him and to worshiping him. J.I. Packer in his book, Knowing God, says, the most important step in understanding the greatness of God is to realize how unlimited are his wisdom, his presence, and his power. And we come to know God by all the things we already know. We come to know God by reading scripture and reminding ourselves of what he has done throughout the ages. We come to know him by praying and by listening to what he has to say. We know him by recognizing his work around us, by noticing creation. When you know God, it's easy to live with him at the center of your life. It's easy to worship him. The second thing that leads to um, worship is remembering God. Now, I don't know about you, but remembering is a hard thing for me. I have a calendar at home. And I meet with a lot of people, and I have a lot of just meetings to go to and things to do. And if it's not on my calendar, I'm toast. I I won't remember it. But here's the more challenging thing. It can be on my calendar, but if I don't look at my calendar, then I still don't remember. And so remembering is something we have to do with God as well, and it's all throughout Scripture. Yeah. Deuteronomy 8, 10 through 18. When you have eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God, failing to observe his commands, his laws, and his decrees that I am giving you this day. Otherwise, when you eat and are satisfied, when you build fine houses and settle down, When your herds and flocks grow large and your silver and gold increase and all you have is multiplied, then your heart will become proud and you will forget the Lord, your God, who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. He led you through the vast and dreadful wilderness, that thirsty and waterless land with its venomous snakes and scorpions. I lost my place. He brought you water out of hard rock. He gave you manna to eat in the wilderness, something your ancestors had never known, to humble and test you so that in the end it might go well with you. You may say to yourself, my power and strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. And so confirms his covenant, which he swore to your ancestors as it is today. See, that sounds like us way too often. And one of the things that they said there is they talked about going through the dreadful wilderness. Well, that's not our experience. Although sometimes our lives feel like a dreadful wilderness. We feel like there are scorpions and snakes around us. So we can relate to that. But what would you put in there? What has God led you through? Because those are the things we need to remember so that we can worship God. Psalms 103, 1 through 5 says, Let all that I am praise the Lord. With my whole heart, I will praise his holy name. Let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things he does for me. Now listen to the good things they list because it's not money, it's not a good job, it's not being married, it's not being single, it's not living in a nice house. Here's what he said are the good things God does for me. He forgives all my sins. He heals my diseases. He redeems me from death and crowns me with love and tender mercies. He fills my life with good things. My youth is renewed like the eagle's. At the Last Supper, Jesus said, remember me. The command to remember is all over scripture. So one thing that I think we can do to help us remember is keeping some kind of record of what God does in our life. You know, those times when you go, wow, I can't believe God did this. And then something else happens and something else happens and you totally don't remember what he's done. But if we have some kind of record of that, we can go back and read what God has done in our life and it will blow you away. It will lead you to worship him. So that's my one um, recommendation there is to have some kind of record of what God's done in your life so that you'll remember why he deserves to be the center of your life. And knowing God and remembering God leads to thankfulness, which is the third thing that leads us to worship, giving thanks to God. First Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18, rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. I'm not going to lie. That's a hard one giving thanks in all circumstances. There are a lot of circumstances I don't want to give thanks in. I don't want to be in that circumstance, but that's the beauty of having God at the center of your life is God can do more than we can ask or imagine in those circumstances. And God can comfort us in those circumstances Thankfulness is about focusing on what's good in our lives and being thankful for what we have. It's about praising God when our lives are hard and hanging on to him for dear life. It's about pausing to notice and appreciate the things we often take for granted. And so as we've gone through talking about Sabbath, one of the things that they have uh, recommended to us over and over again is on Sabbath, take time to make a list of things that you're thankful or grateful for. And I do that on the Sabbath, but I also do that when I recognize that things are really hard and I am tempted to think nothing is good and nothing good is happening, is a time I'll also sit down and make a gratitude list. And so just to kind of give you an idea, I'm going to read you some from my latest one so you can see how varied and Probably insignificant they are to some people. Um, But of course, I start with Kurt, my husband, and my boys and their wives. My mom lives about 25 minutes from me, and on Wednesdays, I get to go up and have coffee and play games with her, so that's on my list. My polka dot begonia that Melissa Collini gave me for Mother's Day, not this past year, but the year before, sits on my table. It's gotten huge, and it gives me great joy. My counselor, Shelly, our small group, air conditioning, (laughs) a new day, Hope, a new friend who didn't get to come this morning, but she's been here, Jen, babies, that God never leaves me, DNC, and that God fixes what is broken. Those are just some of the things. You can come up with a lot of things on your own, things that a lot of times we just take for granted. Okay. So this next thing is cheesy, but I just want to remind you that cheesy works. So if it works for you, it doesn't matter if it's cheesy and this is not going to work for everybody, but I'm going to share it for anybody that it does. So some days had a lot of hard days in the last year. I wake up. I don't think about being thankful throughout the day and it makes me more miserable. And so I decided I need some way to remind myself to be thankful. And so I bought this. So this is my thankful bracelet. When I look at it, I remember, okay, I need to be thankful. I have four beads on here. And so I'll just say four things that I'm thankful for. And then anytime I look at it, it reminds me and I'll go through the whole process again. So something that reminds you to be thankful is what you're looking for there. Writing thank you notes. When we are express our gratitude to other people, it makes us express our gratitude to God as well. You become in the habit of expressing thanks for things that people do for you. And so writing a thank you note to someone who served you, someone that you're glad is here at church, someone that has picked you up and given you a ride, whatever it is, writing a note or... Text or whatever. It doesn't have to be handwritten, although that's really nice. Um, And remind yourself that every good gift comes from God. Being thankful helps us surrender to God as the center of our lives. And knowing God, remembering God, and giving thanks to God lead us to worship. And again, worship is just putting God at the center of my life. And that changes the way I live. So how do we worship? What are the things that we do in worship of God? There are a lot of ways to praise God and to worship Him. So the first one I chose is just something you might want to try during Sabbath, is choosing an attribute of God and praising Him for that and giving an example of how He's revealed Himself to be that attribute. So like it might be something like this, I praise you for your faithfulness. That's the attribute. At times, I become fearful that you will get tired of me and leave me alone. But you have shown your faithfulness to me by continuing to teach me and convict me. You always show up when I meet with you. You make yourself known throughout my day. Great is your faithfulness. You can use a pattern like a haiku. Five syllables, seven syllables, five syllables. God forgives my sins. I bow down and worship him. God is my center. Prayer, song, dancing, musical instruments, poetry, joyful noise, shout to God, thanks, bow down, kneeling, creating, are all ways to worship God. But here's the deal. If these things don't change the way we live our lives, then it's not worship. If these things don't change the way we live our lives, then it's not worship because our whole lives are our worship to God. Romans 12:1 in the NIV says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Offering our bodies is offering our whole life to Him. The message says, so here's what I want you to do, God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for Him. Our lives are our worship of God. Keeping God at the center means doing what's best for the kingdom, not what's best for me. So when we put God at the center of our jobs, it looks like Vionette. Vionette works in a school with children that don't have some of the advantages that other children have. She's a counselor there, and she listens to the hard things that they go through. And she can do something about some of that, but she can't do something about all of it. And so she puts God at the center of her job. Her job drains her emotionally, physically. She comes home tired. She comes home sad sometimes, she comes home happy sometimes. She works with students that are a lot like her and she works with students that are a lot different from her and she works with students that are kind and she works with students that are hateful. Um, But she does that with God at the center and lets God refuel her to go back the next day. We put God at the center of our schooling And I think that all of our focus students are a good example of that, but especially our Corfids who give up so much to be able to do 20 hours a week of meeting with people and ministering to people and studying with people. When we uh, last Sunday, I had um, about 10 recent graduates at my house And we just talked about what it was going to be like to be in uh, adult ministry rather than focus and what are things that they should do and look for. Um, And I was really excited about them moving into our focus ministry. They have so much that they bring and so much to give to us. And we should all be excited about that. But they've had God at the center of their schooling. We put God at the center of our relationships, our friendships, our marriages, um, all kinds of relationships. And when we do that, we put that person above ourself. That's what it means to have the good of the kingdom in mind. We put God at the center of our decisions, where to go to church, where to live, whether to stay, whether to stay single or to get married, all kinds of decisions. Um, Alex and Claire, recently moved to a house that's close to um, the senior center here. And Claire was so excited to tell us that they live close to the senior center so they can do the coffee and we can store all the coffee stuff at their house. Okay, I don't know about you, but I would not have been excited about that. I'm just being honest. Like I would have been like, oh my gosh, we're going to have to store this stuff in our house and I'm going to have to be the one to make coffee every week but they were excited about that because they were thinking about our church body. When they moved into their house, they were thinking about how they could serve us. And that's so crazy to me. And I love it so much. We put God at the center of our neighborhoods. We meet our neighbors. We find ways to serve them. We say hello to people. We celebrate with them. We mourn with them. We put the people in our neighborhood above ourselves because God is the center and his kingdom comes first. We put God at the center of our pain and suffering. We trust him, we praise him, we let him comfort us. Tate and Aaron gave us an example of that when they spoke to us about getting spiritual renewal on the Sabbath. And Aaron talked about how Tate served him during that time. But they continued to praise God and to trust him. That's worship. We put God at the center of our commitments to our community. Matteo uh, Massey and my husband led our small group this year. And Maddie and Matteo moved to Dallas before the year started because it was going to be halfway between where Maddie needed to do her, finish her hours for her degree and where Matteo would be teaching school and they were at small group every week. They did not miss, and they drove an hour and 15 minutes to get there at minimum, and many times they both had to drive because Mateo couldn't leave school in time to get to Maddie for them to come together. We tried to let them out of that commitment. We were like, this is... This may not be the best idea and this is going to be super hard. And they were like, no, we are a part of this small group and we're going to be there. That's convicting. Sometimes I don't want to drive 10 minutes (laughs) to get to small group, but I do love my small group. So I do think I would drive quite a ways to get to my small group. But what if I didn't love them? Like, what if it was a hard small group? And I don't know, I hope Maddie and Mateo enjoyed our small group, and maybe they didn't, and maybe they drove all that way anyway. (laughs) And then this summer, they bought a house in Joshua. And so again, we were like, you know, it's okay if you dip out now, and, you know, we can handle the rest of the summer without you. We'll miss you. We want you here. But it's okay. But no, they drove the entire summer long because they wanted to honor their commitment, and they wanted to be a part of this small group. I think we can all learn from that commitment. We put God at the center of our everything. His kingdom comes first. That is worship. And if you don't remember anything else I said this morning, I want you to remember that. We put God at the center of our everything, and that is worship. Mm -hmm. One of the biggest hindrances to worship is just not making space for knowing, remembering, and being thankful to God. And that's the gift of Sabbath. It makes space for us to stop, to rest, to delight, and to worship. And it makes space to receive the gift of God himself and recenter our lives on him. So the question I think we have to ask ourselves is, have I put God at the center of my life? Why or why not? And how, if yes, then how has my life changed? In other words, what's the proof of that? So as a wrap-up for Sabbath, I just want to give you a few simple things to help you keep going in practicing Sabbath and observing Sabbath and keeping Sabbath. First, remember the Sabbath. Get whatever calendar or timekeeper thing, time management thing you use out right now when you get home and mark off your Sabbath on your calendar through the rest of this year. Protect your time for your Sabbath. Put it down now and do your best to protect it. Second, find accountability through having a Sabbath feast. So in our small groups, we've done a Sabbath feast together every other week. And when you have a group of people that you meet with for Sabbath feast, it's kind of hard to go and then just eat all this good food and talk about how thankful you are to God and how rest has really helped you. And then just disregard the rest of Sabbath (laughs) and just pretend like you've been doing it. So find accountability through people that you can have a Sabbath feast with. Keep working up to a full 24 hours on Sabbath. I would be surprised if there are very many of us that have gotten to a full 24 hours yet. That would be like an overachiever unless you've been doing this for a while. So keep working up to that. Keep adding an hour here and there until you're up to a full 24. Ask others how their Sabbath is going and what they're learning from it and share that with them as well. Go back and rewatch the videos that we've watched in small groups. And if you weren't a part of a small group and you want to watch those, you can ask Josh or I, and we can send you a link to be able to do that. And then the last thing is just don't give up. Just keep trying. If you go for several months and you don't do Sabbath and then you feel convicted about that, then start again. Start trying again, but just don't give up. If Sabbath doesn't lead to worship, then Sabbath is just a day off. If Sabbath is just a day off, then work becomes just something we have to do to pay the bills. Relationships become just a way to meet my needs. Community becomes just another social club. Sunday morning becomes just another thing to do. But when Sabbath becomes a day to stop, rest, delight, and worship, to put God at the center of our lives— then it changes everything else. Sabbath becomes a day to take joy in who God is, and that flows into the work where I take joy in being a blessing to others through the work that I do. Community becomes family that I worship with and live life with. Sunday morning becomes a day of celebration and recentering and refueling and learning and remembering with my family. And everything in my week is seen through the eyes of what is God doing here and how can I join him? What is God doing here and how can I join him? I've seen God at work all around me and taking comfort that he is in control. Sabbath leads us to worship God and God changes us. This week I've been thinking about how our worship has grown over the summer And I was talking with Josh about this last week, and I really think Sabbath has been part of the reason. Having Sabbath meals in our small groups has made us feel more connected and more excited to be together. Making space through Sabbath to know God and to remember Him and thank Him and worship Him has made us more prepared to worship together on Sunday mornings. He's changing us. And this is the fruit of Sabbath. I want to end by just reading something um, of a Sabbath meditation that was in the book um, that we gave some of you in small group. We gave you the digital copy of, and it's called Sabbath Is. It's a little bit long, but not too long. So hang in here. Sabbath is. Sabbath is blessed. Sabbath makes us blessed. Sabbath is holy. Sabbath makes us holy. Sabbath is a command. Sabbath is a gift. Sabbath is a law woven into the fabric of creation by the creator. Sabbath is an invitation. Sabbath is a 24-hour unit of time. Sabbath is practicing eternity. Sabbath is a day. Sabbath is a way of being. Sabbath is a rhythm. Sabbath Sabbath is resistance. Sabbath means we don't have to hurry because there's nothing we have to do. Sabbath means that it is finished, at least for now. Sabbath means that we work from love, not for love. Sabbath means we can rest because we're no longer slaves. Sabbath means we must never become slave drivers. Sabbath means that we do not need to ask because we lack nothing. Sabbath means that we do not need to buy because we lack nothing. Sabbath means that we do not need to want because we lack nothing. Sabbath means that we do not need to complain because we lack nothing. Sabbath breaks our addiction to the twin gods of accomplishment and accumulation. Sabbath says that we are not what we do, what we have, or what others think of us. Sabbath says we are who we are loved by. We are who we are loved by. Sabbath must be prepared for. Sabbath must be sacrificed for. Sabbath must be remembered. Sabbath must be observed, guarded, protected, watched over. Sabbath puts a wall around beauty and goodness. Sabbath brings maturity and health. Sabbath brings healing and deliverance. Sabbath is not a denial of pain, but a destination to a determination to move through pain into joy. Sabbath is embracing our limits and accepting our finitude Sabbath shatters the illusion of control Sabbath reminds us that the Lord is our shepherd Someone else is caring for us Sabbath says the world will get along just fine without us for a while Sabbath says someone else is running the universe and he is a good king Mm -hmm. Sabbath is for quiet and solitude Sabbath is for celebration and community Sabbath is a day to delight in the goodness of the world. Sabbath is a day to delight in the goodness of our life in the world. Sabbath is a day to delight in God. Sabbath is a day for worship, to orient and reorient all we are back to God. Sabbath is for God. Sabbath is a signpost in time. Sabbath points backward to Eden. Sabbath points forward to the New Jerusalem. Sabbath is a taste of heaven on earth. Sabbath is where God is taking his people to live for other. Let's pray together. God, we just pray that we would remember that we would know you, that we would be grateful and we would worship you by putting you at the center of our lives, by acknowledging that it's all about you and not about us by letting you have control of our lives. We pray God that as we seek to worship you, that that worship will flow into every part of our lives and that you will be glorified because of that. We pray that you would help us to continue working on Sabbath, to continue trying to stop breast delight and worship because it's your gift to us because you are a gift to us i just pray god that we will glorify you in the way that we live and in the way that we practice and keep sabbath we love you a lot and we thank you for your blessing we thank you for your gifts and your life and it's in jesus name we pray amen,
1: amen. hey guys hey. Here we go. I'm back at Mason's mercy, you know? (laughs) He's in charge of uh, who gets to talk and who doesn't, right? Um, So, a couple announcements. Um, Thanks to be aware of coming up, they're very exciting. Also, firstly, I'm Josh. I'm one of the other staff here that was mentioned earlier. You don't know me. So, super fun. Next week, we are gonna be closing out our Sabbath, sort of summer service series with a breakfast potluck together. (laughs) Okay. So bring something that you love, brunchy kind of thing. It's like sort of, we're not too picky about what it is. Something you love that you want to share with our community, we'll have, we'll take care of like plasticware and plates and that kind of stuff. So you bring something and if it needs to be served in a certain way, like it needs to have a spoon or a spatula or something like that, make sure you bring that too, because we won't have just a ton of those around and not we'll have access to the kitchen and stuff like that. So bring the things that you need to make sure people can easily get whatever you made and you bring to, uh, onto their plates. And also, we will be sitting with people that we do not know super well. And if that makes you a little bit nervous, all you need to do is grab one buddy and say, hey, buddy, you and I are going to sit at a table with people we don't know very well. And then you have someone you do know. Um, but I'll tell you, anyone in this group that you don't already know, they're a very cool. They're a super cool person, and you will be very blessed to get to know them. So there's no risk. It's fine. It's going to be great. So for you a chance to just eat together, celebrate, um, and just break bread and enjoy. Um, each other's company, and have a sort of closing out piece, and then we'll sing some songs together as well at the end. So that's it. So don't don't forget that. Um, things will be a little different. We'll set up differently, and also don't show up and fully totally forgot to bring something. Usually we have plenty of food, so if you do totally forget, it'll probably be fine as long as half of us do free. So don't don't bank on that. Don't bank on me being the only person that doesn't. <laughs> good. Uh, any questions about the salad meal? Thank you. Breakfast or lunch?
0: Brunch. breakfast Brunch Once with eggs. Brunchy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: Um and the uh, next thing is uh later in this month, I guess this is only in two weeks from now, uh we'll be resuming our ministry workshops. So these were happening a lot in the I think both fall and spring last year. But this is gonna be done by our very own Anthony Ucella. So, these are our whole family of churches and we're kind of doing different topics that we think would really benefit our family of churches and ronnie's done a lot of these but there's been a couple of people who've been involved in different ones too this is going to be about addictions and so it's going to be sharing about that that's net that's on sunday august 20th two to five at c square cafe so put that on your calendar and uh, there's a lot of good stuff to learn whether for yourself or people in your life and your family and friends whatever reason you might have for waiting to learn about addictions this would be really good opportunity to do that um, the next thing is that on the twenty fourth of September, so we're telling you quite a bit in advance, which we don't do about a lot of things around here. So just you should know that's really important. We're doing a special contribution for our church planting fund. So Leslie's talked about this the past couple of weeks, but we, whenever we are planted, Wiley Church and Garland Church, they put money together to be able to plant a church up here. And they've been saving for a long time to do that. Before we, they even knew for sure where it was going to be or where God might want. A church to be and it costs money to plant a church you have to somehow find a place to meet. that always is going to cost money you have to have a sense of people up there there's all kinds of things that are just incurred uh, and some church planting like families spend way more than we do on church planting and we don't know how much we'll be able to put together but whatever god's going to be doing in the next few years for wanting to plant a church somewhere in the area we want to be part of that helps repay that forward in in dollars if that's necessary but also there's going to be people who can be part of it too we're going to be preparing for that so that we're ready whenever god tells us go so uh, we do that on september 24th so between now and then be thinking of ways that you can kind of save be praying about what god might want you to give to that and figure out what some practical ways you could sacrifice a little bit to save some money and we'll just all do that all at once on the 24th and we'll be doing this maybe every once a semester something like that. We'll see how that goes, but it's will be the only one. Um, but let's make this kind of part of our rhythm of giving. Where we do extra for something really important um, yeah. whenever we do these special contributions. So let's be aware of that. And then um, our sound team, as you can tell, is back. But we still want to help grow this team there's not a ton of people we've done this recruiting ask a couple of times but i want to tell you a couple of cool things one we've been working trying to simplify some of the setup for sound team one of the things is that we've been able to at least for now figure out some ways to not have heavy speakers over lugging and putting on top of the poles by using some stuff that is already here installed in this building so if you're someone who's been like oh, i kind of want to help with that but i'm not like someone who's I'm not tall, which I'm there too, or I'm not strong, which I'm there too. Um, You're like, I don't think it's safe for me or everybody around me to be like trying to haul some speakers and put it up on top of the pole. We've gotten rid of that. We're just trying to make some things simpler so that more people can serve and not feel like it's a barrier there. And so please talk to me or Hannah or Mason or someone else you've seen do some sound stuff if you'd be willing to help serve, and we will teach you how to do it. We would love for you to do that as we will give you all the knowledge we have in zone. So it's a fun thing to do, and it really helps our community a lot. And then you wanna share about Worship as well. So we are, I didn't talk to you about this, sorry. We're gonna close up Worship Team signups today, uh, like at the end of today. So if you are interested in being part of Worship Team, uh, scan that QR code, sign up today. If you were part of Worship Team, Sign up as well because if you don't, then I take it as you are not interested in us and that you hate me personally. (laughs) So, uh, yes, please sign up. I think I've said sign up at least five times. So, hopefully, that has stuck with you if I know anything about public speaker. Yeah, there we
0: go. Absolutely. That's it. Thanks for joining us for our sermon podcast. We would love for you to join us on Sunday morning or in one of our small groups during the week, and you can get more information about that at DentonNorthChurch.com.